Well, hey there, sugar. This here is Rogue, and you are listening to Comics in Motion. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob. For old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps. My co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi Chris and hi to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion. What we like to do here is review movies and TV shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris... We've obviously been busy. We're expanding out our shows, aren't we? We've got the fantastic Star Wars that's just come out with Mike Burton. We've had mandatory Marvel in DC with Max Byrne as well. Absolutely fantastic shows. We've got Tony's uh, Indie Comics Spotlight as well, which is, again, just brilliant. Different guests each week. Um, But it's time that we actually did an episode. (laughs) 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 Our little movie and TV space. we we were been, we were slacking last week, weren't we? But this week again, we don't have a uh, movie or TV to review, but we do have a very special guest. Now, I got the chance, Chris, to talk to Lenore Zan, who of course is Rogue from the X Men in the X Men animated series, and so. I'm just continuing to talk, and I've, I want to ask you a question, but I don't know what I want to ask you. <laughs> I'm not doing the impression of her accent, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what do you reckon to that? I think it's brilliant, Dave. Fantastic interview. And, and I think growing up, the X-Men TV stuff, especially with what's going on with Disney Plus in the next couple of days in the UK, I'm all over it. I mean, I've been watching quite a lot that's available on YouTube, Dave, to be fair, over the last couple of weeks, especially with what's going on in the world. It's like we're going to have to get used to streaming, gaming. It's going to become more to the forefront of keeping our minds in, especially if we're stuck inside. But no, great interview. Really lovely. I've just gutted I couldn't make the interview, Dave. But unfortunately, um, it's mothering Sunday in the UK. And I just I had commitments elsewhere, so I do apologise. And I want to apologise for us missing... A couple of weeks, it has been down to me having a bit of an op on the shoulder and everything, so sort of incognito, so we didn't have chance because of being in hospital and recovering to do it. But we are back, so we haven't just decided to throw a load of new shows in and go the Bertie um, big bollocks <laughs> route. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know, sit back in our big, big leather chairs and let everyone else do all our work. We genuinely were supposed to be recording, but it's just not been possible, has it? I think it was only the one week, wasn't it, that we missed? And that was because, obviously, you, you had your operation, so we missed two shows because we missed the VHS one as well. But Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, but we're back. And next week, we will have another... Uh, movie review. We did watch Bloodshot, didn't we? Um, yeah, 
we might do that or, or <laughs> yeah. something else. I'm not sure I can bring myself to talk about that one. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said movie and TV, Dave. That is a fucking bloodshot. He's very loosely based on a movie. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing an impression of one. So spoilers of what we think about that one. But I tell you what, Chris, we are now... At the time of recording, we are two days away from Disney Plus being released in the UK, are we? And I just absolutely can't wait for it. So, to be honest, COVID-19 or no COVID-19, I'd have been doing a fair bit of social distancing anyway. And probably X-Men animated series would have been top of that list. I, I just absolutely love it. And, you know, it was so fantastic to talk to Lenore. so humble. And I, I don't know how she has so much time to do all the things that she's doing now. But, I mean, you'll hear a bit of that in the interview. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, really good of you to uh, go ahead and do it as well. And I want to thank Lenore, for, especially for coming on as well. And I'd send my apologies for not uh, being on there. But it truly is a great interview. And I just hope everybody uh, enjoys it as much as what you did uh, performing it, Dave, because it is, it's a great listen. It is. Well, should we go into it? Let's go. Today, we have an extra special guest on the show. Today, we have Rogue from the X-Men. So welcome to the show, Rogue. Well, thank you very much, Sugar. It's great to be here. And now, of <laughs> course, that is the voice of legendary actress Lenore Zan. So welcome, Lenore. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> we're, we're doing a, a, a virtual hug across the our social distancing and our and our our oceans apart across from us. <laughs> now, of course, <laughs> of course, Rogue is the original. You know, she's the social distancing expert, isn't isn't she? So, <laughs> I absolutely. She is. I, I want to thank you for your time because obviously, when we set this up, uh, the world hadn't quite gone down the path that you know it wasn't where we are now. So, I, I have to ask you first before we get into the rogue stuff. Obviously, at the moment, you're a, you're a politician, so I can imagine you're incredibly busy right now. So how is, how is life right now? Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's, uh, I was elected uh, almost five months ago in October, on October 21st, to be a member of parliament with uh, our prime minister, uh, Justin Trudeau. I'm, I'm on his, in his caucus and his team. And uh, it's been an amazing, it's been an amazing uh, time so far. We had, you know, a plane that went down in Iran with uh, over 50 Canadian citizens on it. Uh, and we had the threat of a possible, you know, war between Iran and America. That was scary. That was, to begin with, pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had uh, issues in Canada with um, with rights, indigenous rights regarding uh, uh, big big projects like um, pipelines, gas pipelines uh, that have been 
worked out between provinces and companies and certain hereditary chiefs who did not want to have those projects going across their hereditary land. And so we had um, protests pop up right across the country to the point where people were closing down the railways and putting up barricades on railways uh, across the country. That was our next crisis. And I have to say, I was really proud of our government and of, of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau because uh, you know he led the way in saying, no, we're not gonna send in the army as some people wanted us to do. We're not gonna send in the army. We're, this isn't about that. This is about reconciliation and talking and negotiating and we're going to take our time and we're gonna do it right. And so after a couple of weeks, uh, the barricades were in fact taken down and indigenous leaders met with the government and uh, and agreements were uh, made and are continuing and the, the dialogue is now continuing but land rights settlements are being uh, settled and you know and then as soon as we got through that the COVID-19 started and hit in Vancouver mainly first which is our west coast mm -hmm. uh and and then ontario and now quebec which is mainly french speaking and and now in alberta and like spreading across the country in in nova scotia where i am right now uh there are right now only 26 cases but it you know it's a big fear for everybody and we're basically trying to tell everybody to stay home you know social distancing mm -hmm. Young, young people, please don't party. Please don't go out. We know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. I'm a social butterfly, but I'm staying at home with my dogs um, and we're really trying to flatten the curve, as they say. Yeah, it sounds similar to the UK. I mean, uh, we're not quite as badly affected at the moment as like Spain and Italy. They, Italy in particular seems to have got it quite hard. Um, oh, yeah, so that's awful. It's bad. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're not in complete lockdown right now, but they have closed all of the bars and restaurants and, and all of the cinemas and everything are, are closed now. So it's crazy times. It is. And I know, you know, a lot of people are worried, but then we hear that some young people are not worried and are still going out and still getting together. And you see, you know, you see on TV um, scenes of people flocking to the beaches I can't blame them. I mean, springtime and, you know, you want to get out into the sun and, and, you know, be healthy and it's fine to go outside so long as you keep a distance, you know, two meters or whatever between you and other people. Um, and now the good thing is with, with our modern era, we have Skype, we have FaceTime, um, you know, we have all of that stuff. So there's no reason why we can't all be still in communication, but just, not physically together. And I think, interestingly enough, this challenge for our world has come at a time when, like the evil forces in the X-Men, uh, the evil forces are trying to make people feel that we're all different from each other and you can't, you know, get together with people of another type and you have to distrust everybody. Well, no, we're all connected we have more in common than we have differences. And I believe 
that this is showing us that we are all connected in such an amazing way here in the world. In, in, in for, it can be for good, but it can also make us sick if we are not social distancing while, while we need to in order to stop this spread of this, this, this terrible and frightening and uh, you know, killing machine. I think that's an absolutely wonderful message. Um, I, I, I really like that. I think what as a you know small time entertaining podcast that we do though, we're we're going to keep churning out our content and try and keep people entertained with uh, just some light hearted stuff. And you know, I, I do enjoy actually. People are, are being really creative at the minute. You know, you see people with their little videos of you know how they're <laughs> keeping the kids entertained and stuff. I I tried with my kids. Tried Monopoly. That lasted about seven minutes and then we were on to something else so (laughs) i I have three and they're they're fairly well the youngest is nine and so you know they're all cheating quite honestly but all accusing each other (laughs) oh it's horrendous so (laughs) right right put that one in the bin and and move on yes yes (laughs) yeah now well that's 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 when your job is going to become even more important because you're going to be entertaining people who are in their homes stuck and looking for things to do and you know you're you 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 play and other creatives play a very very important role and i think again this crisis is hopefully going to show people just how much creative the creative industry and creative people are so important to society absolutely absolutely and i hope i hope we can do our little bit now the i'd quite like to to know obviously your voice is so iconic and we've seen various incarnations since you played uh, rogue in the x-men animated series back in the 90s but i think I'll be honest, and it's not just because I'm talking to you. This is, for me, the the definitive version of Rogue. So how did landing that particular role come about for you? Well, first of all, thank you. That's so sweet of you. I really appreciate your kind words. <laughs> um, it, it's been an amazing um, adventure for me, really, as an, as an actor, uh, before even politics. And I started off when I was about 15 doing musicals, you know, just like most kids in schools, when your school does a school musical, I auditioned. Um, My parents told me, oh, are you sure you should audition? Because all the big girls are probably going to get the lead roles and we don't want you to be disappointed. But I just had this feeling inside of me that uh, it was kind of my fate, that it was my destiny. And even though they didn't know, nobody knew that I could sing because I'd never taken any lessons. Um, I basically was just singing out in the fields to the cows in the countryside where, <laughs> near where I lived here in, in, in Nova Scotia. Um, I just had a feeling. And so I said, no, I'm just, I've got just as good a chance as everybody else. So I auditioned and I got one of the two leads in the musical. And I was only in grade 10. And it was Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. And it was so much fun. And I I hit that stage and it was like I was born for it. So I just knew then that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, By the time I turned 19, I auditioned for, no, actually I was in uh, playing small roles in a a musical theater company here uh, and who does Anna Green Gables every year. 
mm-hmm. the musical Anne of Green Gables, and I understudied Anne in it. And again, I didn't, I didn't get to, to go on or play the role, but I was involved. And then at the end of that summer, I, I did a song at a concert, and I did it like a Marlena Dietrich imitation of a Barbara Streisand song from a musical Funny Girl. And uh, there happened to be a, an author composer in the audience who had just written a rock opera on the life of Marilyn Monroe and was looking for an actress to play the role of Marilyn Monroe. And he'd searched in Hollywood, he'd searched across North America, even in England. And when I walked out and did this number, he and his wife turned to each other and went, that's Marilyn. And they wow. whisked me off and I was the star of this rock opera on the life of Marilyn Monroe. And I was only 19. I turned 20 during the show. And then my acting career started. Like it was just all the newspapers in Canada were saying a star is born and all this kind of stuff. And so I did that until I was 31. I I did that movies, television. I went to New York. I did a play off Broadway um, and then I was asked to do an audition for a new cartoon series. And at that point, I hadn't done any cartoons. I'd just done, you know, theater, movies, television, mm-hmm. um, and radio. But when I walked into the studio in Toronto to do the audition for this cartoon series, which they just called the, the X cartoon, they didn't, they didn't give it a name. It was just like X. And we all thought that was just a mystery, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> and and so I walked into the studio and I didn't do the initial auditions um but I came in for the for the callbacks and my agent had said to me Lenore you have to go in for these callbacks they're looking for this character she we don't know what the name is but they want a sexy uh husky <laughs> a sexy husky voice with a a southern accent and she said it's you they haven't found it yet because it's you so (laughs) please get your ass down there and do the audition so (laughs) so I I went down and I I put the headphones on in the studio they showed me a picture of the character I went oh yeah I I like this character she's sassy um I put the headphones on and they gave me a little script and I'll rem- I always remember what it was because it was just, it, it touched me. I, I could, I just got into it immediately. And what it was, was, um, you know, my daddy liked to kill himself when he found out I was a mutant. <laughs> I remember when I was 13, I had me a boyfriend, had me a boyfriend till I kissed him. Poor boy went into a coma for three days. Thought so if I touched anybody, it just drove the life right out of him. I don't know, Beast. You know everything. What makes us like the way we are anyway? And that was it. <laughs> and, uh, that is and amazing how you can slip that, into that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like I heard this scream on the other line, on the other <laughs> end of the phone or whatever. And it was these American producers in L.A. just freaking out and going, that's it. That's the voice. That's the one we've been looking for. So it was kind of like, I told the Marilyn Monroe story because it was like that. You know, it was like each time in my life, usually every 10 years, something happens where a certain role 
it's like it's calling out to me. It's like it's waiting for me to do it. And I show up and then bang, I, I am that character. And uh, so between the, the you know, the very, very first one when I was like 15, then I was like, well, actually, you know, 19. But then when I was 31 and that, that role just, it stayed with me. It was with me for, what, four or five years, right? Yeah, no. Was, for four or five years. That's absolutely amazing. And, I mean, you're originally from Australia, aren't you? So yeah. how did that kind of southern, being able to slip into that southern accent so easily come about? Is it a lot of practicing well, and training? or, or is No, it... no, no. It, for some reason, it just comes naturally. I um. When I became an act, like a professional at the age of, well, you know, I was already a professional by the time I was 17, uh, doing small roles in theater. And then that, Mar- and then it got chosen to do that Marilyn Monroe role. I started doing a lot of movies and television after that. And in Canada here, because we're near the United States, so we were getting a lot of American films being mm-hmm. shot in Canada, especially during the 80s. And I, I, I mean, I look, I look Australian. I mean, I've got the the cheekbones and the blonde hair and the sort of bronzed olive skin, which also can look like a Californian or a Texan, <laughs> right? So yeah. I got a lot. I got cast a lot as Americans, and oftentimes with either a California or American, uh, like a Southern accent. So I started there, but I just picked it up quite easily, and. And I think personally that our Australian, um, the way we use our mouths and everything as Australians, uh, when I was at university, I know they, they taught us, uh, you know, good eye, good eye, good eye, yeah, <laughs> good on ya. You know, it's very lateral, like your mouth is very lateral. Mm-hmm. And so um, it just seems to be when you go uh, into a southern accent you almost hold your mouth in a similar fashion Mm -hmm. rather than in Canada which is very British and of course came from the Brits we are very you know down and out down and out out. Mm -hmm. so so I think it has something to do with that that's very good I just love it yeah and I (laughs) and I just and I just love it I just love that draw I just think they're so funny and I actually have a new movie coming out uh, where I play a southerner again. Um, so, so even though I'm a politician, uh, I, from time to time, people offer me roles in movies. And depending on the scheduling and everything, I usually do it if I can shoot it in a short amount of time so it's not going to affect my, my day job. And so I have a movie coming out that's called Stage Mother um, with uh, Jackie Weaver, who's an Australian actress. If you don't know her, look up. She was in Palms. She was in Silver Playbook Lining, or is that what it's called? Silver Playbook Lining. Um, she's in a bunch of different TV shows right now, and she was also in the stage version of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, um, in England. She did that in the West End. She's fantastic. Anyway, I play her younger sister, and we are these two little Texan women who have like a choir in a small little Texan town. And you find out after a while that the, the, the older sister has a son 
who they've disowned because he came out to them. And he is now, he's in San Francisco. Um, but early in the film, you'd find out that he has just died and left his mother something in his will. And she has to go to San Francisco to, to go to the funeral. And she finds out that he has left her with a drag club. <laughs> with a drag club. He owns a drag <laughs> club in, in San Francisco. So the whole movie then becomes about that about her stage mothering and how she is going to deal with the idea of owning a drag club and i think it's quite beautiful my character goes back and forth to to san francisco from texas and has to also you know face her own prejudices and it's beautiful and it, it is a bit like priscilla queen of the desert but i think at this again at this time in our in our history the idea of people being afraid of the other and being judgmental and quick to hatred or prejudice and then having to look at their own um, prejudices and realize that, hey, actually, we are all one. We are all connected and we all want love and to, be, to belong. And, and so I, I tend to choose projects that are like that because I think that this is one of the most important messages that we can get out there to humankind at this point in time. Absolutely. And I'm amazed that you have the time. I mean, is that all shot now? Is that in post-production? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did that one about a year ago. And that one was shot here in Nova Scotia, uh, in Nova Scotia. And I, I was able to shoot it on my weekends. And in, during the week, I was sitting in the legislature with my suit on, be, being a politician. <laughs> <laughs> when do you have time to relax, you know, and just put your feet up, Netflix? <laughs> well, now, in the, in the, in the time of COVID-19, I think it's, it, it has slowed everybody down in a certain way, and it's forcing us to all, na you know, navel gaze, you know, and to come up with things projects around the house and I mean I am actually still working as um, a member of parliament from my house and the last you know 48 hours really um, I've been working around the clock trying to help people who are stranded around the world mm -hmm. constituents who who are in different foreign countries and you know I mean the the stories are amazing we've got people in Ecuador and Peru and on a ship in in the ocean right now headed towards San Diego, a ship where these people, 300 Canadians, and I don't know how many Brits, but they've been at sea for 37 days because nobody will let them into port. Nobody will oh, let them depart. Yeah, nobody will let them get, get off. So it's scary, you know, people are scared. Yeah, and and it's just, I think it will probably affect our lives for for a bit longer than we'd hope. I, I've got a friend who's uh, on her way back from Spain, and and so she'd got a connecting flight to Budapest, and uh, oh, she did, eh? That's well, she, she unfortunately they've ended up. They said um, they they've said only Hungarian uh, people with a Hungarian passport can oh. go into. Budapest so she ended up having oh. to get a different flight so so she actually she's 
on a wave right now but uh it, it's just affecting everyone and, and people are scared aren't they so um i know well and to be honest my parents who are in their 80s are currently in spain as well on lockdown <laughs> and i managed to get them flights tomorrow no tuesday to amsterdam and i'm really hoping that klm does not cancel the, the flight yeah yeah absolutely you know that's the scary part right it is it is very scary so um but hopefully everyone can get back to where they need to be and uh yeah like i say do do those projects around the house now yeah i'm interested you know because you've done the stage you've done the uh acting in front of the camera you've done the voice acting i mean what what is your what's your favorite thing to do and what are the major differences between them um personally i love them all um they all have their 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 i mean they're all incredible i i look you know back at the history of theater right back to you know shakespeare's day and actually i was reading recently about shakespeare and during the time of their different um epidemics that would go through the mm-hmm. countryside and when when all the theaters were closed in london and you know, uh, Shakespeare and the King's men, you know, couldn't get, they couldn't get jobs and they had to go traipsing off into the countryside. Only now with globalization, everything, you know, it's spreading everywhere. You can't exactly escape it. Um, I love the the history of the theater. I do believe that having a theatrical background um, and, and, and experience in the theater makes you a better actor. Um, so I always would recommend young actors to try and get their chops wet with, with theater. Mm-hmm. I think it makes you much stronger as a human being as well. Cause it teaches you that you are all working together as one, as opposed to like movies and television. Oftentimes it's kind of all about, Oh, where's my close up? you know? And oftentimes when you're getting your close up, when you're speaking your lines, sometimes the other actor isn't even there. You're looking at a clothes peg or something, you know, they're saying, okay, well here, here you go. Here's your eye line. You, you just do it all to this, this. Here you go. Here's the, look at this clothes peg and <laughs> do, you know, do your, your big bedroom. Eyes, you, know, the clothes <laughs> peg or you know, and, and you, I mean, you can do it. Obviously it's all about your imagination, you know, just act dear boy, as Lawrence Olivier once said, it, when we did the X-Men, we were all in a room together. They did it like a radio drama in the beginning oh. so that they brought all of us in at the same time. Yeah. So we all had our mics in a circle so we could see each other. We'd do a pass with the whole script with everybody there. And then they would bring us in individually for our scenes. So if there were two people in the scene, they'd bring in two people or three people or whatever. And it was really fun because then you, you, it's basically you get to act but with the microphone in front of you. So I really enjoy that. Um, but I also love doing movies and, and television. Um, it, it, they all have their own, um, their own peaks and valleys and it's an adventure. And I feel blessed that I can do all of them. And, you know, and I intend to continue doing that for the rest of my life, really. You know, I see, wonderful actors um, British actors are my favorite um I I love Judy Dench um 
I love uh, Vanessa Redgrave is one of my favorite actors of all time. And um, Glenda Jackson is an amazing actor as well. And you know, she is, I believe, now in her late 70s. Um, and she is she played, I think, uh, uh, King Lear or, or something like this recently. And she was in politics for a while. And uh, so, so in a way, she's kind of like me. She she started off in theater and then television and and then politics, and now she's back acting again. I think that's amazing. That absolutely is, and I guess it's it's almost it's probably almost like uh, exercising different muscles, isn't it? You know, and uh, totally. I have to ask though, you know, when you're playing opposite your co-star, some scenes that that are quite uh, riddled with sexual tension with Remy LeBeau. I mean, were mm-hmm. those were those done on your own, or were those done opposite uh, your co-star there? Yeah, we did those ones together. Um, he is a great guy. He's a great guy, and interestingly enough, at the time we did those the show he wasn't he was he's a little bit younger than me and he he wasn't as well known at the time and he tells me now that he was really um shy and didn't feel like he was as as experienced as all the rest of us but he was perfect for that role he's gone on to do other television and things like that he's got a show on right now called heartland um, and he was in Silk Stockings. He was also in Kung Fu uh, with David Carradine. He played the younger, the oh, younger yeah, kid yeah. in it. Yeah. And he, uh, so we, we managed, we, we actually had a reunion just recently, all of us um, in New Orleans, which is where, of course, Remy is supposed to come from. Yeah. And so we all, we were invited to come and do a Comic-Con uh, just uh, before Christmas, actually. So he and I got to to have an anniversary together and go out on the town and hang out and talk, you know, tell each other what's been happening in our lives ever since we saw each other, you know, 20 odd years ago. And that, that same spark is still there. It, 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 it was great. It was great to see him and uh, really nice that we're getting invited to these comic cons. Um, of course, right now with COVID-19, that's not going to be happening for a while, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But we did, we did get to go to Los Angeles. We had about 100,000 fans there. We went to Texas, Tennessee, um, and also, as I said, um, New Orleans. And uh, we we have several other ones that have been booked, but I would imagine that they'll be put on hold till this is all over. Yeah, that, I maybe, think so. maybe we'll come to London sometime. That would be awesome. I mean, I I think yeah, I think old Chris Potter there. I think he, I, I'd say his uh, representation of Remy LeBeau as well. He that was that's pretty iconic. Um, as well yeah. as yourself. Those, those are awesome scenes. I, I used to love them. I mean, what, you obviously have a lot of love for Rogue, the character. Do you have any particular favorite storylines at all or particular scenes? Well, obviously, I think we all love our characters' backstories. So when we got our scripts, we never saw the scripts until you know the week we were going to be recording them. And so when I got a script, the script, A Rogue's Tale, uh, I was 
thrilled. Mm -hmm. And because that really tells her story and how she got her flying ability, um, how she was, you know, thrown out of the house by her, her, her father, parents, and was sort of roaming around the world by, by herself, trying to find herself. Um, you know, I love that storyline. I have a, a great family. I, I'm very close with my, my parents. Um, but, you know, for some reason, I, I did go searching around the world for myself in, the, in my 20s. Even after receiving fame and, and, you know, things like that from my acting, I just sort of wanted to know, like, what is life all about and why are we here and who am I anyway? And, you know, uh, one of those, those iconic uh, questions that young people ask. And so I traveled a lot through Europe and um, I went to Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, Croatia, which is where my ancestors come from. That's where my last name, Zan, comes uh, from. It okay. used to be many generations ago, Zaninovic. Zaninovic. So I went to the little town where we were from, Starigrad in Hvar, on the island of Hvar, which is just off the coast there in the Adriatic Sea. Um, It's become a real hot hot spot for young people there who like to party. (laughs) Um, But the little town itself is a very quiet little town. And so I went searching for myself and you know, and I had a lot of very difficult times. A lot of things happened where I trusted the wrong people. And um, I was hurt in, in many ways by that. But I came out of it stronger than ever. And realizing, again, that I had a purpose in the in the world. And I wanted to make the world a better place and help others. And so um, in that sense, I'm very similar to Rogue. And I'm a bit of a loner. Um, and it takes a while for me to trust and let people into my inner circle. But once they are in that, you know, I'm, I'm true blue and, and totally loyal and will lay down my life for people. And now that those people are my constituents, you know, I, I look after, I feel a great responsibility for my constituents here. And so, um, you know, again, it gives me purpose to try and make life better for, for the world and um, try not to let anybody get left behind or fall through the cracks. That's amazing. I can hear from your voice how, how much you connect with the character and, and those, those different character traits. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there are rumors that um, with the next Captain Marvel movie, who knows when that will be shot and, and released now, but uh, mm. they might actually take some of that rogue storyline. And so she may actually be one yeah. of the first X-Men uh, to appear in the MCU. So I, I don't suppose you can yeah. give us any, any clues. Has anyone approached you about doing any cameos or anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I haven't heard anything about, about that. I've, I've heard rumors that, that that might happen with, with that possible movie. But no, I haven't heard anything. No rumors on my part, but any cameos would be very welcome. I would, I would love to be part of something like that. That would be awesome. It, it would be. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Now, Lenore, I want to be respectful of your time. And I just want to thank you ever so much. It's been so interesting to hear you talk about. Obviously, we're, we're not in a great time in the world right now, but it sounds like that's mm. keeping all very, very busy. And uh, hearing about, you know, 
all those different you've got quite an eclectic uh journey to get to where you are now so i just want yeah. to thank you ever so much thank you and and you know for any of the fans out there listening if they feel you know alone or isolated and they feel that they don't belong please just know that you know i think we all feel that way deep down in some ways and it's just a matter of reaching in and finding what our own particular gift is um, to give the world because we all have one. We all have a special power. We really do. And we are all connected. So nobody is really alone. We are all connected. And, you know, people can always reach out and write fan mail to me and I write back and I sign autographs and send them back. And, uh, you know, uh, I just, I love the fans and I love our, our show and, uh, you know, so be safe, be kind and remember that, you know, we're all in this together. Awesome. Another excellent message there. Um, I will include uh, your Twitter handles, Lenore Zan, isn't it? I'll include that in the show notes. Yep. And, uh, so yeah. guys, go ahead and uh, tweet away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks, Sugar. And uh, we'll talk to you again another time. Thank you very much. Bye now. All right. Bye. <laughs> Do you love Marvel or DC Comics? Or maybe you love the blockbuster movies and are thinking of dipping your toe into the comic book world? Whether you're an aficionado or a newcomer, we've got a show that will give you that insight into the world of the big two. Hi, my name is Max Byrne and I'd like to let you all know about a brand new show coming very soon to the Comics in Motion Network. Mandatory Marvel and DC is a show that takes a sideways look at the biggest of the big, those essential comic book classics from Marvel and DC. Join me and very special guests each week as we take a walk down memory lane and revisit those iconic graphic novels and story arcs that have permeated into popular culture. From Civil War to The Dark Knight Returns, Old Man Logan to Kingdom Come, if it's not huge, it doesn't get in. If you want to know the difference between a dark phoenix and a red sun, then why not join us very soon and let's have some fun together. Mandatory Marvel and DC, the show that every comic book fan should be a part of. Right guys, if you want to get in contact with the show, at Comics Emotion P on Twitter, the Comics Emotion Podcast at gmail.com. And also I'll put all the links in there for Lenore's social media, uh, Twitter channel, and some of the links to what she actually does as well in the program notes if you want to learn more about what she does, which is really, really great stuff. Uh, and also, if you do like the show, please go onto your podcast catching app and drop myself and Dave a review on the show. It just helps us grow and gets us out there to more people. So, Dave, thank you so much for doing the interview. Thank Lenore as well. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye now. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Tell Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale of night? What? I always ask that of all my prayers. I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here. Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome! Kneel before Zod! Why so serious? What's but a smile on that face? I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. I Good to Whoa! Hey! This 
This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Why did Sasha Baron Cohen get chased by the Secret Service? What made Sarah Silverman stand by her friend Louis C.K.? How did Mindy Kaling miss out on SNL? I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and on The Last Laugh, comedians reveal how they're staying funny in a world that's falling apart. As long as I'm laughing, yeah. I'll laugh at the things I say or anyone else. <laughs> I just like laughing. Next up, how everything changed for Nick Offerman when he became Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec. Life was like, oh, by the way, things are going to get way more super crazy. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.